It's a joy to come into your homes. And if you're ever in our area, please stop by and be a part of one of our services. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. I like to start with something funny. And I heard about this 92-year-old man. He wasn't feeling up to par, so we went to the doctor. A few days later, the doctor saw him out in the park with a beautiful young lady by his side. He seemed as happy as can be. The doctor said, wow, you sure are feeling a lot better, aren't you? He said, yes, doctor, I'm just following your orders. You said, get a hot mama and stay cheerful. The doctor said, I didn't say that. I said, you got a heart murmur, be careful. Hey gang, welcome to another episode of Flogcast. Uh, tonight is, is a very special episode. They're all special episodes, but tonight is a very special episode because this is actually the Flogcast uh, telethon uh, user questions uh, fundraiser for the victims of Hurricane Harvey. So we are, we are actually going to be uh, taking uh, poll questions tonight from our audience. Uh, and this is all for charity uh, to uh, support the victims of Hurricane Harvey out in Texas. Um, all the money and the proceeds are going to go to the Joel Austin uh, Survivors uh, Fund. And Joel is building a, a luxury yacht that he will use to um, save the, the, the many stranded victims of Hurricane Harvey. He will personally be piloting the yacht around um, and, and on board the yacht. Uh, uh, you know, the victims of Harvey may go ahead and donate further to Joel Austin. So uh, please support Joel. Please support the podcast. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to go ahead and really tackle some hard hitting issues tonight. And this is all for a good cause. So, you know, without further ado, I, I have with me tonight, uh, Michael Cantor. Yeah, I'm here uh, working the phones for you here. Uh, no, no calls yet, but uh, hopefully that money just starts coming in. Thanks, Mike. Keep up the good work. We have Max Stahl as well. Hey, how you doing, Ryan? Um, for some reason, politicians pay me to tell them what to think. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> and also on the ground tonight, so she's our, our, our Harvey uh, senior correspondent and um, meteorologist, uh, Anu, is actually in Texas. How you doing, Anu? Um, I'm doing well. Um, shit's really fucking tragic here, so I guess I'm not doing all that well. Um, Austin is actually fine, like in all seriousness, Austin is fine. There's actually, people are freaking out. There's a, a line, like I can't get out of my apartment complex right now because the line for the gas station is like half a mile down the street. Like people are legitimately freaking out. And is the, are the prices being gouged aggressively? It, they're only 60 cents more expensive. Like, you'd think that they'd jump by $2. Like, and, you know, we're also not supposed to be affected that much by the price increase over here in Austin. Like, people need to chill the fuck out. Like, well, there's there, so... there, there are laws that prevent it from going up too high too quickly for these Yeah, people. exactly. Like, it's like, yeah. yeah. It's like it's yeah, 60 cents does not seem that bad. I no. would argue that capitalism has failed us. I mean, yeah, if they're not going up at least $2 within the span of a week. Well, you, I mean, you can still buy a $60 case of water at a Best Buy in Houston. So, you know, <laughs> capitalism hasn't failed us entirely. That, that is true. There's hope. In so times on of you, catastrophe. On obviously a, a very grim situation um, in Texas, especially along the coast right now. Um, what Tell us what brings you, like what unfortunate events bring you to Texas? Um, you know, I was, <laughs> I really only came here because I got a job, like in all seriousness, I moved here for a job and like, I really should have thought about it several times wow. before I, before real talk I, from Anu here. yeah, real talk for real. A yeah. strong endorsement for the yeah. Lone Star State. No, fuck Texas, man. Like, who do we have? We have Ted Cruz and we have, what's his face? God, his name is escaping me right now. The uh, Greg Senate. Abbott. No, Greg. Walker, Texas our Ranger. Other Senate, our, our other oh, Senate. Oh, 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 uh, John, John Cornyn. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Thank you. Yes. That, that's, that's where my head is right now. I can't remember John Cornyn's name. So who do we have over here? We don't have very good people. You got we Austin. Have, I mean, the city of Austin is pretty cool, though. I got to give that. Austin, Austin you know, rocks. I was, I was born in Houston. I grew up think... in Austin. I love Austin. Austin. I mean, I've only visited. Think... You guys, no. Not, not for people of color. Like Again, being that's totally fair. serious here. It's probably it's just not. I mean, listen. So, a little, a so little, for a the Jewish coastal, guy. yeah, for the coast, <laughs> for, for the, the coastal coast Texans um, who are currently underwater, uh, this has been a a historic 
a natural disaster. Um, it, it, in many ways, it dwarfs, um, if not in, in terms of, of sheer misery and, and tragedy, this dwarfs many aspects of Hurricane Katrina already. Uh, it's which the worst has been, natural disaster to hit us, like, ever, or in recorded uh, history. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, believe. it's getting pretty close. Um you know, one thing that I was delighted with um, really kind of lifted my spirits was uh, popping over to right wing Twitter shortly after the hurricane hit and um, getting a frame of reference that apparently uh, and I did not know this, but Barack Obama was actually president during Katrina. Yes. Yeah. Barack, Barack Obama oh, yeah, does not care yeah. about black people. Isn't that yeah. what no. And a lot of uh, a all. lot of just Twitter accounts that definitely aren't Russian bots, you know, have been commenting that exact thing to like every time, you know, someone tries to talk about Trump not responding well that you know must be it's definitely real people it's definitely not russian bots um that's just the way it is it's it's so weird to me going through the uh just like the david dukes and the um the the bill mitchells of of twitter and reading these comments because it's so weird to think that like this is this tragedy is unfolding we still have people who are who are stranded in floodwaters we have power outages and chemical plants that are being shut down because they're on the verge of of failure and things like that and like everyone's big go-to is like well you know uh fucking katrina and that was obama's fault so he he literally brought the storm like he brought it to us with his sharia law it's weird how everyone wants to make sure that they make that comparison first and foremost before we even begin to address what's actually being done uh in houston well again this this is russian propaganda being pushed on idiots like this it's this wasn't something that just happened naturally this literally is a russian disinformation campaign yeah, exactly. exactly these are people who are all always going to be prone to believe lies like well they're not even the people thing. necessarily i mean they're they have a botnet they have a botnet that yeah, they push out that's and true. then, they're and, not then necessarily and then they, you know they catch a few idiots in the in the net every time but um so the 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 beginning of Trump's um, kind of crisis management around uh, Harvey, you know, started with them saying, you know, that, that uh, I think uh, Huckabee came out, Sanders Huckabee came out and she said, you know, that he was monitoring the situation. And then we later got a, a picture leaked uh, of Donald Trump at Camp David um, sitting on a couch and he was observing cable news broadcasting of the hurricane. So it was it was cable news coverage of the hurricane. And he's sitting there with like a with like a MAGA hat on and just like watching that go down. So uh, on when, when you were, you know, kind of like watching all this unfold, uh, you know, across the state um did you feel more or less comforted by the fact that donald trump was also watching the same news coverage from camp david uh, uh, alongside you i would say i felt more comforted because it means he wasn't involved because think just think if he were at all directly involved in any of this how much worse it would have gone like it and and like let's he like he's bet he's best off making a ceremonial trip like he did like what last this yesterday the day before the days are all running together. I mean I yeah yesterday he created a traffic jam over here yesterday. So yeah I mean I was super comforted when Melania Trump landed in her stiletto heels. Like I'm sure the people of Houston felt really like she was, you know, feeling their pain very deeply. And, you know, I, I know that I'm commenting on a woman's dress in a situation and I wouldn't normally do that, but I'm sorry, fucking stilettos in a disaster zone, like go fuck yourself. Well, and then I, if they weren't comforted by that, they must have been comforted by Trump opening with, oh my God, look at this crowd, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when Amazing he tweeted, turnout. when he tweeted, he thanked the people of Texas for our spirit. He said thanks. He made it He's, about himself. Well, he makes he didn't even mention. Right? I mean, that's he didn't yeah. even mention the, the victims damage. at all. No, he, he, not at all. He mentioned he only talked about the fact that they had come out to see him, which is amazing too, right? Because he's landing in like a disaster area where people don't have power, they don't have food or water. They're like basically like sh- like like wandering out from a flooded grocery store, and Donald Trump is just there, like standing yeah. in the street, like look at this fucking crowd. I mean, we got like President. Like Camacho, for real. Like, you know, oh, you yeah. oh my God, you're so you're so right. I watched Idiocracy the other day. I was like, damn, Trump does a better Camacho than Camacho. Yeah. I'd take Camacho. Well, I think Trump I think Trump is like a key transition step to Camacho. Like he's at a he's actually like an assumed event in that movie. You know, like at some point someone like Trump yeah. would happen. 
and probably didn't think yeah. it'd be that early, but <laughs> like, you know. I mean, listen, The Rock is our next president, so, you know, we're not, we're not that far away. President's, yeah, I guess um, we're well the, on that the, path. The actual parallel with Obama, right, is his response to Sandy, um, which, if you recall, like, it, terrible, terrible uh, event. Obviously, uh, uh, Harvey is worse, but um, Sandy, Obama did the right thing, and he, he stayed the fuck out of the way. Uh, yeah. during the initial cleanup. Like, that was part of the initial Republican criticism is that, oh, he's not there. Why isn't he there? And his literal well, response no was, I don't want to cause a big traffic jam. I don't want to get in the way of the, the recovery effort here. Like, we're, I'm going to direct the people that need to be directed. I'm going to make sure money gets to the right people, and we're going we're gonna to dig our way out of this. And, you know, in the meantime, he's he was out there raising awareness and telling people how they could help and telling people to be calm in certain circumstances. Like this is this is what the president's job should be in a situation like this, not to show up thing, and throw a fucking campaign rally. The best thing he can do is just sit back and tweet. That's literally all well, I mean, good news. He does the most the first time do. <laughs> for the first time in his presidency, the yeah. best thing he can do <laughs> he is, do is tweet. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, it's fucking true. Like before, a really like upset Kelly comes into the room with with Donald Trump's cell phone, and he's like, "Now listen, I'm giving this back to you, <laughs> but it's only to talk about Harvey." <laughs> so he's not writing those tweets. Uh, not to honestly, not not to be so overtly political here, even though this is a political podcast. Uh, but do it. you guys actually think that? This Trump's response to Harvey and all of this is actually going to move his poll numbers at all. God, no, 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 I don't, it's, it's, not, I don't, among um, people, yeah. not among people like us. Like he can't do anything for people like us. See, he has that frozen 30 percent, right? Like 30 something percent. He's not going to move the other frozen 70 something percent. It's just well, no, I was actually suggesting that it would move it down because it's a poor oh, response. Oh, but, I see. But, it, it, you know, it might. I, I think five, 538 is pretty on point in all things i worship yeah. at the altar of nate silver but and they actually address this in their latest uh podcast and they did a write-up about this that if you look at bush's numbers after katrina and everyone agrees bush completely fucked up katrina they did not really dip i mean he he they dipped in specific places that katrina hurt <laughs> yeah that was you know, it. What, what they so did, like what did. trump might not be able to win houston you know it did dip for yeah, it did dip his trust numbers in the long term which i think you know, but I guess you could say yeah. well, Trump's trust numbers are already frozen, as Anna, you mentioned. I was going to say, yeah. who, who in the fuck still trusts Trump? It doesn't really matter. Well, like, no one, well, if, if yeah, you, no if you, listen, if you, if you, if you already were able to see through the dark, the dark morass that is Trump's, like, presidency, and you said, yeah, I, that's, I still mostly trust this guy. He seems legit. There's, there's nothing about this storm that's going to change that fact. Well, I mean, there's people, there's Republicans um, that could, you know, potentially be changed in that area or um, independent. So I mean, it's possible. People, I mean, if, if we, cut, we, we follow this all the time, but we forget how even in this sort of insane environment, how little people actually pay attention. Um, and over the long run, like, I think this could have an impact, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? He's, he he's, at, he's, about 30, he's at about 35% right now, um, according yeah, to 538's polls. And I think frozen. that... They were estimating that his floor is closer to about 25%, uh, but that's, you know, that extra 10% is like a tough 10% to move, but they they think it is movable. My theory is, uh, like, really I say 27, because that's the number of the people that approved of Bush at the end of his term. And he had just... Sure, and that's, that's it's close to the number that approved of Nixon at the end yep. of his, you know? Yeah, that would... Uh, that, that, so that's, that's probably the floor, but, you know, honestly, it's that 10% is not making a huge difference right now. You know, my big issue, honestly, is that Donald Trump did exactly what I would have expected of him. He went out there. He had a, a basically like a campaign rally in the middle of a, of a disaster stricken area like he did nothing of value. And then he took off. That's pretty much what I would have guessed at the offset that he would have done in this situation. That's the, the best real thing he could do, honestly. It, it, yeah, and that's the thing is like I was like I honestly don't have a big problem with that because he anything further would have just caused more harm than good. Right, right. honestly, though, he was very busy uh, pardoning Joe Arpaio, uh, known oh, yeah. you know about uh, an accused. Uh, he thought the TV ratings would be higher. Yeah, a, you know, he's a racial ra racial bias, and then um, now he's going to get rid of DACA tomorrow. Uh, so you know, he's been a busy man. He, you can't expect him to be out there doing you know a lot of things. So it's good. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> 
he, you know, there's there's this news cycle was obviously a whirlwind, and, and that and it is a little bit, um, it's a little bit alarming, and but not at all surprising that Donald Trump apparently viewed Hurricane Harvey. Uh, which, as an aside, by the way, can we talk about the fact that the hurricane naming system is absolutely terrible? Like, yeah. it really bugs me that I'm going to have to spend the next decade of my life referencing a cataclysmic historic event, but I'm going to have to call it Harvey. Harvey is the name of a department manager at Lowe's um, with slightly racist overtones. Like, like that's who Harvey is in your life. When you go to Lowe's and you go to the plumbing section and you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, someone goes, hey, yeah, talk to harvey over there and he goes eh i think you might be only passing for white so i don't want to talk to you that's who harvey is and that's why i don't really like having to use these shitty names that the weather channel comes up with for these well they found that there's like gender bias too if it's a female named hurricane people take it less seriously so ironically this time no, but it's uh, no, true. They it. they actually believe, did a study. It. Yeah, yeah. They, it's ridiculous, but they did a study that proved it, and I actually took it less seriously because I was like, "Fuck Harvey, it's a male named Hurricane. I'm going to take. I'm not taking it seriously." It's a, let's, it's let's, a male, let's see how Irma goes. It's a yeah, male named Hurricane right now. It's and in particular, it's a name from like the 1940s that no one yeah. fucking uses, which is appropriate. It's appropriate that it's a name from the 1940s. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the United States absolutely deserves that though like when hurricane katrina comes in and they're like don't don't even fucking worry like they're saying she's a cat five but honestly she's probably just on her time of the month fuck it like they they deserve wow. everything they get wow. when that storm comes through I mean, look, we talk about uh the austins for a second without their response i mean so joel austin the oh yeah you know, biggest one of the biggest evangelical pastors in the country i think they have the largest congregation one of these mega churches um, you know, along with his wife, have made hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, preaching wealth gospel and the word of the Lord. Um, and for days, they didn't open up their church. Um, well, you know, there are people in really terrible situations down there, people dying uh, and flooded out of homes where cops weren't responding. Um, you know, you had the Austins not opening okay. up the church. Which... Max, can we quantify church? Because the Austins don't just have a church. They have a stadium well, okay, yes, that masks yes. itself as a exactly. church. Exactly, they have a stadium. Um, it's what, it's, it's 17,000 seats or something like that? It's it's gigantic. Yeah, I think it like, might be bigger than that, actually. I think it's like 30 or something. It is quite the... That's what we have in Texas. Yeah. Fucking stadium-like churches and Ted Cruz... John Cornyn, yeah. like which just it's just and a and Willie Nelson. Let's okay, be fair. Fine, Willie I mean, Nelson, yeah. Selena, Jim Hightower. I mean, yeah. oh Ann yeah, Richards. Hightower. Yeah, Ann Richards. Okay, fair, fair, fair. She did per- yeah. she did produce Cecil Richards after all. Also, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Austin is that he's always been a piece of shit, and I'm just happy that he got called out and ultimately had to be pressured into allowing people to um, utilize the church's space to a certain extent, although from what I hear, he isn't. That's not fully the case. Yeah, even they, now. They, didn't op- they didn't even open it up all the way, did they? No, it's like, like no. It's like, I thought I, 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 yo, bro, do you even Bible, bro? Like, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't. He, doesn't. he absolutely <laughs> doesn't. Jesus is pretty clear about this stuff. You know? <laughs> I, I feel like that should be our, our the title of this episode. Do you even do you even Bible, bro? We need to get um, we need to get the uh, the televangelists involved in this thing. We need to get like Creflo Dollar and these um, these fucking morning guys on here because they know how to rile up a crowd. Austin's Austin Benny Hat. <laughs> Austin's just a rich guy who happens to own a church. Like that's the thing is, like people were getting all freaked out. Like, oh my god, like I can't believe he'd do that. It's like, of course he would do that. He's not actually like any. He's not actually a religious figure. He's just a really rich guy who happens to take donations. He's a great businessman, right? I mean, or whatever he's doing. Like he, he's, uh, oh yeah, he's got his flock or whatever, and they're you know happy to give ten percent of their paycheck or whatever, whatever. However, the schemes happens to be set up there. You know, it's the church. Um, and, you know, it's working out well for him, not for people who need shelter not not for literally everyone else in the in the eastern part of texas um yeah so let's let's talk about i want to let's talk about sheriff joe because sheriff joe is an exciting figure um for those who don't know uh sheriff uh joe arapayo am i saying that correctly that's nice. See, that's good because I liked my other version, but I was corrected and told that his name is actually even dumber than it looks. Um, 
So Sheriff Joe has a laundry list of criminal offenses, um, not all of them necessarily attributed to his name, but all of them he's been involved with at some capacity or another, um, including uh, racial profiling, um, uh, inhumane conditions at his jails that he was running. Um, he did actually run an outdoor jail for a concentration um, camp. Okay. Which he yes, he, which he 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 adoringly referred to as a concentration camp. Um, not joking, not even like with any kind of shame. He was pretty pleased about that fact. Um, but he did he did let everyone know that the concentration camp was only for people who had been convicted. So it's okay as long as they're they're real criminals, not maybe criminals. Um, totally fine if they're brown too. By the oh, way. Oh yeah. And let's let's be clear. I mean, his neglect and inhumane treatment of prisoners was tied to over a hundred prisoner deaths. Yeah, uh, yeah he had people watch. out in the middle of the like, desert. Some of them through suicide, and some of them through you know medical conditions and and exposure and yeah, uh, just all sorts of horrible things. This is a horrible human being. But that's not why he was uh, convicted in a court of law. None of that is why he was convicted. No. So he so Joe was actually convicted um, of. Um, uh, contempt of court. Yes, thank you. Contempt of court. So he was convicted of contempt of court because he was actually ordered to cease the racial profiling that his uh, patrolmen were using, and he ignored that order, that court order, and proceeded to continue racial profiling for over a year. And then finally, they decided to hit him with contempt of court, and he was found guilty. Um, so yeah, murder. You know, murders and death aside, um, ultimately he's going down for what is mostly a, a legal and administrative offense. Well, 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 um, but this he, guy, I mean, this guy did this for like over a decade um and it's just an absolute terror you know like there were not only were they having people out in the desert and chain gangs he would he parade prisoners in underwear in pink underwear um and then yep. they would sell you could buy it in the gift shop you could buy sheriff yeah. joe you would gift it to people. yeah and and this so this this dude he he segregated out the latino prisoners yeah. uh and in, in their own section uh there horrible. were there were also hundreds of sexual um you know, cases, sexual crime cases that were not investigated under Arpaio um, and, and our accusations of um, police officers raping, you know, immigrants. And, you know, this is not a good man. And, and someone who has like a rain terror um, on Maricopa County for a long time. Um, so he let's is talk what about white terror looks like this man. And here, and you hear, so here, actually, that's a great, that's a great transition, Anu, because here's the problem. Here's the big problem with Joe, um, aside from, you know, literally everything about Joe. Um, but the thing that is very noteworthy about him is that most of what we've just described, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably agree with us, is pretty fucking deplorable and disgusting. Um, Joe does not have a problem with any of this. In fact, he wears most of this as like a badge of honor, and he used to brand himself as America's toughest sheriff, um, so much so that he actually starred in a reality TV show um, <laughs> where, where they were busting people in his county, and he was like featured as like a guest star on the tv show um and so there's a you know this is this is a part of his brand this is how he sold himself you know he he, this is not something where he was doing these things and people didn't know he actually was elected on being very hard on immigration uh and taking an incredibly hard line on most of his policies related to crime and jail and and how people are served punishment in the country um so so unfortunately yes he's he is white terror but he would probably really enjoy that title quite a bit oh yeah um and so the first question I have, and this is coming in now, so so the the questions are starting to trickle in. We actually just got this one through um through our digital app where you where our listeners are submitting questions. Uh, and the first question, along with a twenty five dollar uh, donation to um, the Joel Austin um, uh, Jesus Yacht Club, uh, says here that. Uh, Praise Jesus, yes. Uh, praise Jesus, praise Houston, Joel Austin. Uh, and so the first question is, you know, what does what does the fact that that um, uh, Joe Arpaio was able to stay, you know, in office uh, and as the sheriff of Maricopa County for so long, what does that say about the people who were voting for him and about the country's view on on both crime and also immigration? Well, I, I worked um, in Arizona for a few months uh, in, in Maricopa County, and it, it was interesting. I think what kept him in power was really like traditional Republican Lee Atwater style politics of using race as a wedge issue and pitting, you know, suburban whites against, you know, an enemy. Um, and, you know, that enemy happened to be brown folks, you know, Mexicans. 
And e- yeah. and even after, surely, surely his constituents knew what he was doing. Well, that you like, and so yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what Mike was saying. Yeah, like, you were, uh, yeah you, Ryan, he wore he wore it in his sleeve. Like, he was happy about it. Yeah, and so so when you think about the fact that these people elected and reelected him, and were completely fine with this person being their sheriff, like what does that say about white America? It says a lot of things that people don't want to think about. It says that like people are very like most people are fine with this shit. That's what it tells me. Like that this that this man was able to stay in office for so long tells me most white people are fine with this. And this is this is the banality of racism. Like he's a great example of that. So I I I really want to say that you know I don't know that that means most white people are okay with that so much as it means most people in Maricopa County were fine with that. But I'm not qualified to talk about most white people. So, I mean, what you say could entirely be true. I do know that this guy was uniformly despised amongst the the left and amongst Democrats nationally. Yes. I mean, he's been a a leftist boogeyman for a long time. So it's not like, you know, people on our side of the aisle were praising I think another thing that it says is, like, he is proto-fascism in a lot of ways. I mean, this is a guy who, he tried to buy off the judges. Um, He, you know, used police to destroy evidence. Um like this is a man who had zero not only was he a racist not only was he you know treating like happily comparing his jails to concentration camps and being proud of it you know this is a guy who didn't care about the rule of law you know is willing to use force and and say that you know his word and and the the bloodlust of his voters was more important than any legal concern um and you know that's what we're seeing so, on I, national he level. also no, no. <laughs> He, he also faked an assassination plot what, yes. against him. No, I'm so glad you Please brought that up, Mike, because I, I wanted to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, go for it, Ryan. So, so this it. is super important. So basically, one of the things that I want to, one of the comparisons I want to make here is not only is he proto-fascist, but, but Joe represents really a more, a more um, criminal in in the most like direct sense a more criminal element of what would later be donald trump because joe is excellent at branding now his branding is disgusting and vile but fundamentally he has created a character and the people who vote for him love that character this is like like, like joe arpeo is like duck dynasty shit like he invented a persona and then he wielded that persona to to basically control office and to siphon um, all kinds of funds for for you know shit he didn't need for his immigration enforcement and then he you know did tv appearances and speaking events and, and he really did wield that that character uh as a weapon to basically exploit uh the voters uh and so yeah so what mike is referring to and this is probably one of the the, one of the best things you'll ever read about jar Pio, is that um he actually during an election where things weren't looking good for him and i don't remember exactly which year it was but um he was not currently performing as well as he was hoping in the election so they found a teenager um and they uh coerced the teenager the 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 actual sheriff's office bought the materials to make a pipe bomb and then they coerced this teenager to assemble the pipe bomb and then they arrested him with the assembled pipe bomb and said that he was part of a plot to actually uh, use the pipe bomb to blow up joe arpaio's car and kill him and they were hoping that this would um that this would basically spur like you know um uh, kind of like a loyalty vote with Joe Arpaio to defend, you know, oh, people are going after our sheriff. We've got to defend him. We've got to vote with him, you know, keep him in office. Um, and ultimately they were going to, they, they got all the way to the point that um, I believe he went to court and, and, and like he, they were going to basically let this kid rot in jail um, for this assassination attempt um, until investigate an, an internal investigation revealed that, no, this was actually like basically them planting evidence on him and it got overturned. And Joe had to settle with that teen for something like three million dollars that he got out of it so, because of all that one, so that's one thing yeah, i want to bring up around that yeah. just to, i mean one one thing i've been well, i've been watching the trump administration obviously i think we've talked about this all of us have seen authoritarian tendencies by the trump administration are you are you max are you like following the trump I, administration is that something a you're like you know i'm more of a hobbyist with? um it's like, i enjoy it you know um it's like a fine wine every day that's uh, just like a casual yeah, hobby just, a, a, a little, a little, uh, a little, little sampling, sampling of a little, the Trump you know, tweets. Is there going to be a nuclear, you know, explosion today? Type thing, you know. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, so I've, I've been, wa- you know, we've, we've, um, you know, I've been watching to see 
how much authoritarian tendencies, how they're manifesting. Right. And we have we've seen some of it. Um, but for a large extent, it seems like a lot of the FBI and different agencies are resisting. Um, but we talk about Arpaio being a um, a, you know, prelude to Trump. Um, when do we do we do we think the Trump administration is going to start acting like that, like planting evidence on people, um, you know, using uh, police forces to break up, you know, to attack political opponents? Um, we know we know that the desire and the will to do that is there. Uh, but do we think we actually start seeing that on um, a level before, you know, a Mueller indictment comes down or something like that? Do we think he's going to start turning in that direction? I don't think Trump has the kind of institutional support necessary to pull something like that off. I mean, I'm not saying he won't try, but for instance, like the FBI is pretty anti-Trump or at least pretty pro-FBI. The, the CIA, same thing. Um, it's It would be hard for him to pull that off. I don't know how or who he would use for that sort of nonsense. But, you know, they're trying to rat fuck uh, yeah. Comey on this whole uh, Russiagate thing. They're trying to, you know, they'll they'll try and win by any way they, they possibly can. Uh, I just don't know that they'll be as reckless as Arpaio was uh, in Arizona. Because, I mean, he, you know, he I think a lot of it is there. that's like, thank God for some of this Russia stuff, because without without that cloud, yeah. he would be able to start doing things like that. You know, with with uh, but he, you know, uh, because he came in with that, he's had less control over um, sort of the the deep state police policing forces. I don't I'm going to say no, Max. And the main reason is just it's not Trump's personality. So as much as as much as Trump and Joe have things in common, um, they also have some pretty stark differences in that Joe was. Uh, pretty fundamentally, like in another life, he was probably involved with like, you know, union organized crime and, and, and like labor riots and stuff like he's totally the kind of guy who is willing to get his hands dirty and, and actively did as sheriff. Um, Trump is not that person. Trump Trump is is shady. And we've seen with with his involvement with the Russians and with business deals that he is absolutely um, something of a con and, and definitely not to be trusted and probably has plenty of, you know, white collar crime under his belt at some point or another. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm sure, you know, Bob Mueller will soon enlighten all of us about that that part of Trump's life. But um, he's, he, you know, Trump is Trump's a fancy guy. Like he's not the kind of person who wants to go and get his hands dirty. You know, he's not someone you know, like if if he if his life had turned out differently, Trump would have been like a fashion designer or something. Like he's not a he's not a like a get get in the weeds and get shit done type person. I mean, like he, he he did sell a line of ties. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we're not that far from the truth. But the thing is, like, if Trump was involved in in like you know, if, if we jump back to like you know, New York mafia, like real estate business. And, and, and real estate rigging and stuff like that. Trump is not going to go to some uh, some commissioner or some uh, some approval board, and he's not going to like like you know put the screws to them and leave a threat or anything. He's going to find somebody that he hates, and he's going to say, you know, this guy is barring me from buying a piece of property, and then he's going to take out like an ad in the paper and just be like, oh, you have a small penis, so yeah, I, I have pictures. I, I, I'm not going to show you, but I have pictures. Like he's 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 his tactics are are very. Um, they're childish and they're petty and and frankly they're usually just kind of moronic like when he was pushing the the race angle on the central park five um he he didn't like you know try to plant evidence he didn't try to work with the police to like to to like push his very obviously racially motivated angle he just took out an ad in the paper and basically said like yeah i I think i disagree like i I wouldn't underestimate his authoritarian tendencies i think i think it's fair to say that there are forces within the state that can effectively keep keep it in check. I mean, I think we've seen that with Mattis this week, right? Like kind of openly defying him on a few things. Um, and Tillerson as or well. Even Tillerson. Tillerson as well. Um, so, but but I don't think you can say that this isn't a guy who enjoys exercising power like that. This isn't a man who has like a bottomless need to be loved um, and to be respected and is willing to use fear to do that. Who openly is an open demagogue. Well I mean, the, the will to do it is certainly there. Uh, and I think we can, we can hope that. The yeah. force keeps Don't get me wrong. He's an, he's an absolute authoritarian. And I actually agree with everything you just said. My point is just that his, his preferred style and his tactics are much, much more hands off and much more petty. Um, and he's lazy. Yeah. He's, he's extremely like, lazy. You're saying he's, he's lazy. Well, he's yeah, lazy like, and he's cowardly. And so his tactics tend to be petty and stupid. Whereas Joe Arpaio had no issue. I mean, he, he actively walked through what he just, you know, that outdoor prison, which was what he referred to as the concentration camp. He would walk that and directly and basically 
shit talk the prisoners to their face. Like, I mean, he's a man who was very comfortable having his hands not just dirty, but like, I mean, just completely just covered in, in filth. I think that the danger with Trump is not necessarily that he is going to do these things. It's that he's going to put people like Arpaio in Jeff, power Jefferson who Sessions. will do these End things. Of burger so. As of yeah, exactly. as of tonight, oh, uh, potentially are. Sheriff Clark, who is a, another brand of absolute psychotic. Yeah, you know, it, it it occurs to me that we didn't actually say uh, what actually happened with this yeah. pardon. So oh, yeah, we didn't. Want we, that. we should probably close what? close that gap it, before we move on. I've got to I've got to read a couple of the of the the audience questions that are coming in. So Mike, why don't you walk yeah, us sure. back on that one? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, during uh, the response to, to Harvey, uh, when the ratings were highest, I guess, uh, Trump, as he'd been hinting for, for several days, uh, if not, what, a week, uh, did in fact pardon Joe Arpaio, who had been convicted of uh, contempt of court, which I believe is only a misdemeanor. He probably wasn't even facing jail time. He had not even been six sentenced yet time for this. Potentially. Potentially. That's the roof of it. They're probably not going to put an 84-year-old man in jail for six months. Maybe. Who knows what the judge was going to do. Um, generally, this is the sort of thing you can you can generally get around with, like, community service or something like that. But before you could even happen, Trump pardons the guy. Um, now, Arpaio is taking this pardon and trying to get the conviction overturned, which it has raised all sorts of interesting legal questions because accepting a presidential pardon is literally admitting guilt. Um, which really complicates things if you're trying to get a, uh, a ruling overturned. So this, this whole thing is a complete clusterfuck. It's not even clear that the pardon will be upheld in court now if he tries to go back and challenge the ruling. It also makes it so you can't, uh, invoke, uh, the Fifth Amendment. Uh, so if he was called, uh, to testify on some of the other issues involved in his uh, tenure as sheriff, such as a number of civil suits which are pending against him, uh, it's not clear that he could get away without testifying on those. Uh, so this is, you know, all is not entirely rosy for Joe Arpaio right now, um, but this is still a big fuck you to the Latino community. So that's um, that's a, a great summary, Mike. And so that actually leads into our next audience question, which is, uh, and this this one's great because this uh, you know big help to the uh, survivors of Hurricane Harvey here. This is a six hundred and sixty six dollar donation to the Joel Austin um, Hail Satan Yacht Club. Um, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. So uh, and and so the question is. This move, obviously beneficial to Joe uh, Arapaio, but this move was obviously also very political for Donald Trump. Why do we think that Donald stuck his neck out for Joe um, and, and decided to go ahead and make this happen? Obviously, pretty brazenly. What message is he trying to send? I think um, I think he knows what's coming, right, with, with Russia. We know we know that indictments are coming. We, you know, we have a story today in the Wall Street Journal talking about how his lawyers are trying to keep that off and, like, cast aspersions on um, Comey's character and a lot of other things. So he knows that's going to happen, right? So you, you need to prepare for an environment um, where you know it's going to happen. And, and the best way he sees to do that is to double down on his base, especially the you know hardcore, the racist elements, the hard right elements, um, for a couple of reasons. One, because in a world where he's accused of high crimes, he's going to turn around and do what he's been doing. You know, say fake news. This is a conspiracy, et cetera, to go after me, trying to stop me. Uh, and those people are going to believe him. Um, and he knows that they're, they're, they'll they're stick with him to the end because he's one of the first politicians that's actually throwing like, open bones to it. You know, it's more explicit to that those hard right elements, not just the institutional racism, which has been a factor of all of American politics for a long time but sort of these radical hard right elements. Um, so he's getting ready for the, for that um, world when he's indicted for, so one, one to win the PR war, but also if it goes really poorly for him and he is impeached, then he's facing criminal charges. It creates an incentive structure for the next president to pardon him, right? Cause if you have all these angry white supremacists, um, terrorists, so to speak, I mean, actually, yeah, white terrorists um, who are going to, you know, cause havoc if he goes to jail or anything, you know, that creates a lot of leverage uh, and lets him, you know, sail off the sunset in the worst scenario. So in, in that world, I think it makes sense. So I, I like that hot take. I have a, a slightly cooler take too. Um, I, I, I do. I think that what you just said was right. I also think that Trump 
at a very base level needs the just personally craves and needs anything that he considers a victory, like a win. Um, and during a time when he's not getting many of these, he got to stand in front of a crowd of, you know, hundreds or thousands, however many idiots were there of people screaming and praising him and, and tell them that he was going to pardon Joe Arpaio. And they were all really happy about that. He thrives off of this. Um, so I think it makes political sense for him in some ways. I actually think it's a terrible political decision in other ways, but of course I do. Um, but I think it's also just satisfies a base need that he has to, to, have a certain number of people happy with him for doing something. Uh, I don't think he likes just sitting around getting, you know, trashed in the news constantly. I think he wants to be the center of attention. Well, and so I have a hot pocket take, which basically means that it is, um, it is incredibly cold on the outside and disgusting. But once you bite in, it's, it's the center of the sun and it scorches your mouth and you scream, Oh fuck, God damn it. God damn it. And then like the, the innards spill out all over your keyboard, like some kind of fucking animal. Um, so that's the take I'm going to drop right now. Um, and so I actually think that that a big part of this though just plays into how much Donald Trump hates the the left and how much he thrives on the approval of what he believes to be his you know his, he calls them his friends and his supporters um, and and obviously there's that there's that resentment factor right like there's there's still a, a portion of the right and these are absolutely his most loyal followers who just simply resent anything and everything about the the, the progressive and the left left wing side of our society um, especially related to Barack Obama so as we mentioned earlier. Earlier, um, Joe Arapai was kind of a, the boogeyman of the left, and he's been a figure of, of extreme contention for some time. And I think that in a lot of ways, um, not even thinking long term, not even really planning anything significant, I think Donald Trump viewed this as an opportunity to basically just say, well, here's a big fuck you. The guy that you were all you know excited about getting rid of and thought he was finally going to get his due, I'm sweeping in, you know, exerting my, my power and my authority and saying, nope, you don't get to take him. Um, and obviously his supporters fucking love that because anything that is kind of a kick in the teeth um, to the the side of our our country that they view as being their enemies um, is just delights them to no end. It's he did it all for liberal tears, basically. Oh, he loves liberal tears. I mean, it's also a matter of sending a message to law enforcement in America writ large that you know I have your back if you were ever committed of or if if you were ever caught not enforcing the Constitution or following the Constitution. Like, if you do unconstitutional shit, I will be here to pardon you, which... If you ever gun down a minority in cold blood, I will step in and pardon you for that. Like, but, anyway, if, but that's if... Yeah, exactly. That's if you are even convicted of a federal crime, which, you know, in most cases, these are not federal crimes that are, these people are being convicted of anyway. Also, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Trump is no fan of the well, yeah, judiciary. Yeah. Like... Um, and by the way, I'm I'm really proud of myself great. for saying judiciary correctly right there. So, yeah, I'm, I, let's you know, <laughs> not all heroes wear capes, guys. Um, I mean, the, there's I, he, there's a, a yeah, war brewing. He, he hates between, the, well, there the has been a war branch. between Trump and the judicial branch. I mean, that's that's really what's characterized this administration since like the travel ban yeah. came down. So it makes complete sense that he would want to shit all over the judiciary. Well, it's all branches, right? Just by by doing I mean, this, I mean, yeah, all branches, wants, but like especially the judiciary. He thinks he's Rodrigo Duterte. Like that's what he wants to be. You know, he, like. Yeah, he does. Oh yeah, he he fundamentally did not understand the the, the what the president does or, or the executive branch whatsoever when he took this job. Like, I guarantee you that like on his first couple of days in office, he was like, "Okay, guys, we're gonna solve all the problems now. Just tell the folks that um, I'm kicking out all the the immigrants and I'm building the wall and just go fucking do it now." And and you know, like Mike Pence had to lean in and be like, you know, like you. You can't just like that's not how it works and he was like what the fuck what do you mean like he he genuinely thought that obama was just sitting there with like crayons on a piece of paper just scrawling out like let all the arabs in and then it's just happening like there his perspective on how the president operates within uh, our system of governing was so skewed and you can see how angry he is that he actually has to work within well, that yeah, system. You have the system at every step of the way resisting him right and i think you had the obama administration um you know, the investigation, it wasn't necessarily the Obama administration, but under the Obama administration, these investigations into Russia um, and his connection had already started. In fact, as early as the summer before the election, there were uh, case files. Um, so he's kind of come into this, you know, with parts of 
the established government, the permanent government, so to speak, you know, dead set against them. Um, yeah. So that, that kind of compounds it. You know, you don't, one doesn't know how it works. And then two, he's facing harsh internal resistance, which is great. <laughs> you know, so speaking of something that Donald Trump rolled back, and I think this plays very closely into into the, the pardon as well. Um, he did roll back Obama's executive order this week on um, the local police departments being able to acquire uh, surplus military uh, equipment, which includes things like um, uh, riot control gear, um, armored vehicles, uh, crowd deterrence. So stuff like, you know, um, sound uh, sonar weapons, uh tear gas all that kind of stuff uh i think i think riot batons and shields were in there just like a whole bunch of different things um and so obama had made an executive order back in 2015 so at the very end of his um of his second term basically barring them from being able to spend um their uh annual budgets to acquire the surplus military gear um and there was a whole bunch of distinctions around what they could and couldn't purchase and things like that um although none of this matters now because donald trump literally just rolled all of it back so you know forget all of it but um so, yeah, you know, I think there's two sides to it. I think that it's a yeah because Obama did it, and b because this is another to um, to the point that was made earlier. This is another kind of high five to law enforcement saying, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for you guys to have military grade uh, equipment. I'm totally down for you to police our our cities using like the brutal force that we would you know basically wage war in another country. Police brown people um, and, specifically, not our cities, not white people, brown people. Let's just make that distinction really clear. And I'm saying that because it's very easy for that to get lost. Like, I know that we're not letting it get lost, but like, in general, like, let's not talk about the inner cities. Let's talk about black and brown people, because that's what the inner cities are. Well, and, and that is, and, and, you know, in coded language, that is exactly what Donald Trump says yeah, quite, yeah. quite seriously that's, that's to his I'm, followers. Right. And that's why I'm saying that we should bring it out. Yeah. I mean, this man, he wants to, he wants to be the law. You know, he wants to be able to dictate like who, who is an enemy of the state you know he, he makes official he makes declarations of official enemies you know the press is the enemy of the state um the enemy of the people you know th- th- this is what this guy wants he he wants a militarized police force who will carry out his bidding and he wants a neutered judicial system and he wants a neutered legislative branch that won't be able to check him when he wants to and um you know i think he's been largely ineffective at creating um you know, kind of exercising power in that way, but it's not for lack of trying or desire. I mean, it's oh no, and that's and that's the story. Well, that's the story of Trump, though. Is as much as he is authoritarian, as much as he wants a more a more consolidated power within the executive branch, he is lazy and he is completely uh, incapable of of kind of seeing that through. And it's because he he there is no plan. You know, I think a lot of people right now, um, even with regards to stuff related to Russia and, and Bob Mueller, there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out what 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 his plan was. You know, like what was the what was the big master plan that he's going to soon enact on all of us. And the reality is that there probably wasn't one. I don't think he ever even thought he'd win the fucking election in the first place um and and upon getting in i think he was scrambling to be like well i might as well just kind of take this for all it's worth uh, which is kind of his that's his go-to for the real estate business as well so i i don't think that this is a person who ever came in with a strategy it's someone who who acts entirely on his his but, moment to moment i mean wants that's true to some extent desires. but it's also a guy who very effectively you know doesn't pay contractors and use the legal system to to wait them out um you know he, you know, that's lazy. Like that's the laziest I, I, way to do you that. Know, I just so wouldn't underestimate him entirely there. Like, you know, he, a lot of the clownish behavior um, is very clownish, but it serves a purpose in a weird way for him. Fascists are often very effective. Yeah, that's clowns. true. That's absolutely true. I mean, Mussolini was very much that way. I mean, it's part, it's, I mean, being a clown is part of the fascist authoritarian persona, actually. No, that's, that's true. So let's go ahead and uh, pivot again. Um, I've got a number of questions here, and uh, you know everyone seems to be wanting to know uh, what's going on with Russia. What, uh, what 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 do we what do we feel like is happening in 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 the wide world of the of the Bob Mueller investigation? Well, you know, Mueller's just trying to make sure that he gets around the Trump being able to pardon Manafort situation by working with New York's Attorney General, which is fucking brilliant. Um. 
Yeah. So New York's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman has been pursuing a case against Trump and the Trump Organization and uh, Trump, you know, lackeys for, I believe. Well, specifically Manafort, but Trump too. I mean, it, let's let's be clear. He he's had an active investigation into Trump's organization uh, on the whole for a while now, um, and Mueller has now teamed up with him, and that they're sharing information, I guess, and coordinating strategy, uh, which, like Anu just said, really puts the screws Pardons on Manafort. Don't extend like, to you know, state level crimes, and that's the important thing to note here. That's correct. The president has no power to overturn only a state federal court. crimes, and it's and a lot of these could end up not being federal crimes. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. And remember, most of the Trump organization is based in New York. They could go after them financially there. Uh, They could go after them criminally. And it's there. There's a tremendous amount of vulnerability there. Uh, And Schneiderman is. Yeah. yeah, Schneiderman is is Trump's worst nightmare. It's great Um, for him to go down. Obviously, that'd be good. We're all excited about that. But we should talk for a second just briefly about how dangerous of a moment it is where you have a guy who's so boxed in, you know, feels like. He's, you know, cornered and also has access to the nuclear football. <laughs> um, so he's a he's a cornered, like wounded snake and cornered, wounded snakes have a lot of potential for devastation. Well, I, I think we've also seen this week that the real adults in the room like Mad Dog Mattis, uh, <laughs> like- our, our glorious secretary of defense. Have apparently decided we, that you, Trump appreci- is not the boss of him. <laughs> That's anymore. a great point, Michael. And can we appreciate like, like, that we have a man named a, a, a general named Mad Dog, who is the voice of reason? <laughs> you know, that's where we're at. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, uh, we the, the dawn over here is talking crazy. Let's go ahead and get at some words of wisdom from the guy we call Mad Dog. Yeah, so to to give everyone a little bit of clarity here, what we're talking about, Mattis was on video telling the troops that the country, what was it? He wanted the troops to hold yep, the line until it. the country yeah. got back to respecting each other right now, he, which is basically a big fuck you. Well, and he and he says he says um, he says very candidly, he says the country's in a pretty bad place right now. You know it, and I know it. So just kind of like hold your ground and, and don't do anything stupid until this passes. Um, which is a roundabout way of basically saying like, if you could not commit genocide <laughs> until we get this Trump guy out of office, yeah, that would be fucking that. cool. Thanks. Right. He, he also te- he also gives an interview. I think this was Mattis, right? Not not yeah, Mattis, Mattis gave an interview where he said there were never out of diplomatic solutions in North Korea. Oh yeah, which- he, Mattis Mattis has wow. assumed the wow. role of basically, and and to an extent, this kind of shows how much Donald Trump has failed to consolidate that power. Though is that he is the adults in the room, the people who basically are trying to keep this thing pieced together, have pretty much taken the position of. This guy is not long for the office. Let's just try to keep this ship from from exploding, you know, catching on fire and then ramming into a sovereign nation and starting World War Three. Like that's pretty much which that is absolutely a joke about our, our Navy uh, crashing one of our ships into a transport uh, earlier this week. But um yeah, I mean, that's basically it is that we have officials who are pretty much completely going against the directives of the commander in chief now on, on pretty much the assumption that he's not going to be the commander in chief for all that long. So the the other big Mueller thing that just happened today was uh, the I don't know if it was a leak or or some sort of official statement that Mueller's team have teamed up with the IRS's yeah, yeah. Uh, investigatory uh, agency, uh, which I think is. Oh, uh, sorry, Anna, you're uh, you're breaking up a little there. All right, giving it a second for you to cut this out there, or just leave it in. You know why not? Um, but you, is it okay to continue? Yeah, no, you're good. You just just go ahead. Okay, so the, the uh, Mueller's team have teamed up with the IRS's investigation uh, uh, team. I, I forget what their their acronym is, but it's basically CI. the IRS's internal the CI the their criminal investigation uh, uh, team within the IRS, which is a huge, huge development in that they're clearly going after some of the financial records here. And this is this is much more than just, oh, he can look at Trump's uh, tax returns now. This is the IRS actually combing you, through the data now and looking for impropriety. Well, you don't want the IRS going that, after you. That we I mean, have that, not seen before one, here. Yeah. 
No, the IRS is really good at this when they want to be. Like, they're really, really good at this. Um, Which means that we're probably looking at not just obstruction of justice. We're looking at at something more. We've known for a while, just kind of start to, I'm going to play a little bit of detective work here and just try to pull the pieces, but we've known for a while that their primary uh, person of interest is is, is Paul Manafort. Um, And so if you're trying, if you are Bob Mueller and you're trying to figure out what Donald Trump and and his, you know, family and and, and friends were up to, you start at Manafort, who is basically a giant red flag because Manafort, Manafort has crimes, not just with Donald Trump, but just dating back for decades all over the world he's pretty much a, a uh, an agent of, of just war and misery around around the globe so um, he's a great place to start and he's also not terribly good at covering his tracks he actually has a whole lot of just emails and records out there um, from different things I mean, there's a, there's a lot of his a lot of his shady dealings are well known um, and so that's where they began so the IRS is kind of a genius move because what they're basically looking to do is I guarantee you someone at the IRS is currently looking into Paul Manafort and if you can piece together Manafort and Trump, then you've got a lot to go on. Yes, no? Can you guys hear me? I kept on waiting for someone else to jump in. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can hear you. You sound fine now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you sound much better now. I lost my train of thought. I mean, just with Manafort, I mean, this guy is like a... I mean, so he started his career one of the first big Washington lobbying firms that uh, Manafort, Black, and Stone, uh, with Charlie Black and of course Roger Stone, um, and they were the first people. They worked on the Reagan campaign in 1980, and then were the first firm that really sold their access to uh, the Reagan administration for profit. So they took on all these lobbying clients, um, but not only you know they took on any business, but one of the things that they're most known for was. Um, work for foreign dictators and tyrants you know they're big into into that sort of thing um so the i mean who who hasn't had a yeah, phase where they know, were big like, on working hey, for dictators money. and tyrants. diamond here there everyone goes um, through it so this guy and then recently um recently he's, he surfaced in russia and in ukraine really uh, he was a uh, advisor to the disgraced former leader of ukraine um, and was paid a retainer of $10 million, um, was, you know, given things, given stuff under the table, um, you know, cash payments. Um, and this was a guy who was pro-Russia, you know, like collaborating with um, you know, Putin to some extent. And, and you know, there's reports of. Yeah, this was this was the pro-Russian government in Ukraine that basically got voted out and. You know, it ended up yeah, precipitating a, the entire Ukrainian invasion absolutely. by Russia. And then just to close like the that's, circle, that's what set um, this off. in the New York Times. That it just, this just blows my mind. That the way he got on the Trump campaign is Manafort showed up to Mar-a-Lago um, unannounced and was like, hey, my name is Paul Manafort and I want to work on your campaign for free. Like... <laughs> Like literally, just like like the fucking Mary Poppins from hell. He just like shows up with like a with like a fucking um. He's got he's got a uh, an umbrella with the Russian flag on it, and he he drifts down from from a storm cloud, and he's like, "Hey, I'm here to work on your campaign for free. There's absolutely no catch. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But you do have to sign this in blood." Yeah. So this he's got a carpet bag like full of bush. Like he leaves a he leaves a trail of slime, you know, everywhere he walks. Um, so yeah, I think absolutely they're in on Manafort. I like to picture that Donald Trump answers the door personally and like Manafort basically like gives him a spiel that sounds both ominous and incredible. And he's like, he's like, and long story short, you become president of the United States. And Trump just looks at him for a minute and goes, what? Like that's that. And that's how the whole thing just begins right there. It's just, you know, yeah, I mean, it, was him and, uh, it was screen. him and Roger Stone, right? You know, Roger, Rogers, you know, Roger Stone got kind of cast out from the campaign. And, um, yeah. yeah, but, well, you know, but like a lot of the shaping of Trump over the years was a lot of Manafort Stone well, for a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Manafort is definitely guilty. Um, and we'll see if he's cut a deal. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, not looking good for Trump. 
So let's go ahead and on that note, we're gonna well, let's put a pin in it. We'll say that um, the summary for the episode is not looking good for Trump. Um, it's kind of like that'll be our overall point um, on this one. I do want to go ahead and let everyone know that you know the uh, the telethon here, uh, the, the Collins is a, a huge success. We've raised um, forty nine cents. Uh, in U.S. dollars, obviously. Um, so really going to be going a long way to helping people pay for their uh, their $98 uh, cases of water out in Houston. Um, Hail Satan. So obviously, you know, that's, that's climate change and Satan, the two, the two great forces of global destruction. Uh, guys, is that, a, is that an episode? Yeah, absolutely. Tybo. Tybo running it. Yeah, I feel good about all this. We've... we've we have we have uh, we you know we have saluted the Lord of the Underworld no less than ten times this episode. So I feel Hail like Satan. we've really covered our bases. Hail Satan! Their hearts, they were headed for stage lights and Lear jets, and fortune and fame. So in script that made prominent use of a pentagram, they stenciled their drumheads and guitars with their names. And this was how Cyrus got sent to the school where they told him he'd never be famous. And this was why Jeff, in the letters he'd write to his friend, helped develop a plan to get even. When you punish a person for dreaming his dream, don't expect him to thank or forgive you. The best ever death metal band out of Denton will in time both outpace and outlive you. Hail Satan!